Hey, welcome to the Life After Ministry podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with my wife, Marilee. Hey, guys. There we go. Well, we needed one more podcast in the world, right? Perhaps. I think this is a good one. I think it is. We've been sitting on something here for a little bit, and uh, what we want to do here in this first inaugural episode ever is to be able to just give you a little sense of why are we doing what we're doing here. And so uh, by the very name of the podcast, we can kind of figure out what this is about just a little bit. Life after ministry. And we are a little bit perfectly poised to talk about this because we are actually living life after ministry. And that is a loaded, like there's so much stuff that is loaded into that statement that we're going to unpack a little bit of that. But before we do, who are we and where are we and what are we doing here? So just some basic facts about us. We've been married, what, 20, it'll be 23, 24. No, no. Oh no, 21. (laughs) I don't know. It is 21. Okay. Wait, is it 21? It is 21 years. In October, it will be 21 years? It'll be 22 in October. Can I just say also, it's one of the best things about you is that you will never, ever get upset with me for not knowing the number or even the date. If I forgot it. That's true. You're more forgetful than me. I don't have a brain for numbers. Yeah. And I know we've been married for at least 20 years. And I also like had a hard time remembering how old I was after I turned 30. All of a sudden, it just got real blurry. I think a lot of women struggle with that too. Anyhow, we digress. We do. Um, Is that how this is going to go? Yeah. I think so. I think so. So that's how long we've been married, whatever number we decided on. More than 20. More than 20. And when you're married to me, it feels like a (laughs) lightning bolt. It's just so quick and joyous and wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we have three kids, three excellent kids. uh, Teenagers, by the way. Yeah. At the time of this recording, we have a senior in high school, Noah. We have a sophomore in high school, Jedediah, or Jed. And then we have a eighth grader, uh, our girl, our redheaded girl. um, Karis. Yes, Karis. And she is fabulous and 13. We live in Lexington, Kentucky. Not quite the land of milk and honey. I say it's the land of horses and bourbon. Which, in my opinion, is just as good. And we'll tell you a little bit about how we got out here. What are we even doing here? Because most of our lives, we've been in California, Southern California. In fact, all of our lives until this point. And so we're here. We're doing our thing. Uh, I got lots of fun ministry type stuff going on and some business stuff going on. You... Love the horses. I'm a horse girl. Yeah. Um, I told Matt if we moved to Lexington, Kentucky, which is the horse capital of the world, and I did not have my own horse, that my heart would probably shrivel up and die within my chest. So for my birthday, our first year here, he bought me a horse. And that was the cheapest part about having a horse? Well, yes. They're it. not known for being economical or yeah. friendly on the budget. Yeah. But um, but the pressure was on, right? Like, I didn't want your heart to shrivel right. up. Right. I mean, it, that's, we're talking about serious consequences here. So yeah. we did it. We did it. We moved out here. We we braved it. And even that move is, is a whole story in and of itself, maybe for another day. But what we really want to do here is let's talk about what life after ministry looked like. But what we have to also do is what what was that transition process? And and really what we want to do in this podcast, it's really not going to be about us, but we, we want to just establish that we've kind of been through this. And so we lead with empathy um, and we have a sense of what is the journey, what that journey looks like, because we felt it in all of the places. And 
we know that some of you who are listening, um, we're, we're really talking to two different audiences. Um, one audience is for those of you who are in ministry leadership. And even when we say ministry, we're not just talking about churches and pastors. Um, you could be in a Christian nonprofit. You could have a Christian business. You could be in Christian higher ed. Um, if you're in somewhere in the kingdom world and you have a leadership position and you consider yourself in ministry, it could be whatever that is, um, we're, we're talking to those of you who lead organizations. You have decision-making power in there. But we're also talking to those of you who have come out of ministry. Um, and you've come out and you've had to try to figure out what does life look like. And we're hoping that this is a space that will bring hope. Or perhaps even people that are considering leaving vocational ministry and wondering what that might look like. And yeah. perhaps there's some fear or trepidation of taking that leap. They know that they're not meant to be in vocational ministry anymore, but it's scary to think about leaving that realm. Yeah, I have a friend who was a pastor for many years, and he said that the hardest part for him, as he was, as he was getting a little bit closer to retirement, not quite ready. He said, like he said, I probably stayed in my position for two years longer than I should have, because I was scared that my family would be would we be living underneath a bridge and a freeway, you know, or what what would happen? And he said that that fear kept me in my position two years longer than I should have. So. Um, we're not talking about all transitions where you got canned or there was a moral failure or something like that. Sometimes transition is needed. Sometimes transition is good. But we're also coming from the perspective that 42%, two out of every five pastors, are thinking about quitting ministry. Um, oftentimes, they must have asked that on like Sunday afternoon or Monday morning. Uh, maybe. But it's, it's, it's something that is stirring. And what is unique about being in ministry is it, it's unlike and different than any other job that's out there, right? It's, yes. It really becomes fully part. And so the quick synopsis without going into all of the details was that I was a pastor at a church for more than 20 years. <laughs> we're, we're Don't not, ask me how many years. Yeah, how many years was More it? Than I was just 20. looking at you, right? It's probably the same <laughs> amount. In fact, I mean, we got married pretty well. I was you in were ministry. already working there yeah. before, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I was, I was in ministry um, for 22 years. I did everything from children's ministry to youth ministry, family ministry. Then our, our marriage had some trouble, and then they made us, <laughs> I was the marriage pastor and family pastor and did teaching and executive ministry, all that kind of fun stuff. But um, long story short, I earned my way out of ministry. And um, that process um, was really difficult. It was a season for us um, that was, was hard in every single way. It's hard when you're on a staff with people, when you're part of a large community of people where everybody knows you and you know everybody. It's like cheers, everybody knows your name. And then to come out of that and to have shame attached to that story, uh, to be, in a sense, disciplined by people who've been friends um, is a really difficult process. And then to try to figure out what happens um, coming out of all of that is, is difficult. And so um, that was a little bit of my perspective um, coming out. And what we want to call, just so we have a maybe common vernacular here, is that that last day of ministry, whenever that is, whether you've chose it or it chose you, uh, is day zero. And so we want to be able to look at what happened on day zero, um, but really what we're more interested in is what happens day one. And day one is that first day of life um, after ministry. And, and how do you navigate 
that transition, that transition season, right? So that's like a really quick version of mine. But what was that like um, for you in watching and participating? And you were very much in the middle of all of that. Right. Well, I think, first of all, it would just be good to say that I think the purpose of doing a podcast like this um, under the umbrella of pastoral transitions, and maybe you can explain a little bit even what that is very briefly, Mm -hmm. but is to be able to bring hope uh, to people who are listening, um, hopefully to find uh, empathy. Um, uh, the, The purpose of this is not at all to bash the communities that we're coming out of yeah. or nitpick how the transition was done. Um, our heart is really to uh, talk about things, but also under the umbrella of pastoral transitions, Matt, especially, um, you know, kind of leading the charge of like, how do we change the landscape of transitions out of ministry, whether that's into another ministry or into, you know, another vocation. Yeah. And I think that that's an important piece is that in every story that takes place, um, there's always two sides to that story. And so we're not here to gauge or judge intent. We're not going to ever say, well, it sounds like that elder board was really horrible and that they were, they had it out for you. Uh, And we don't even want to hear that part of the story necessarily. What we want to hear is um, what, what are those next pieces? What are those next steps and how do we really come out of that in a healthy and whole way? And so that was really the genesis of pastoral transitions. Um, That is the ministry that is really uh, the, the out outflow of, of our kind of, transition and season, but not something that, uh, that I started. Uh, it was really a guy named Bill Tom and he'll be uh, coming up in the next episode that you'll get to hear his story and how he found me and, uh, how he had a heart for pastors, uh, and people coming out of ministry. Um, but really that was, that was the beginning of it. And we decided, uh, how can we serve the church community, uh, in such a way that we can do this better? Uh, and I would say that both of us, we have a very strong, like ecclesial mindset that we believe in the church. We've not written off the church. Um, we believe that that we are Jesus still followers of Jesus. Yeah, we, we even love though him. we left organized church for just a little while, like it didn't impact our relationship with Jesus. No, we still love him. Yes. We watch the chosen, and that helps. <laughs> and we do go to church. It's fine. <laughs> I promise you. Um, but. We, we have a, this is not a, uh, let's tear apart the church and start throwing stones. How can we actually use this to number one, just encourage, I, I think we need to be made aware that this doesn't go well. I, I think that the uniquely like common thread between my story, our story, all of the other stories of ex-pastors that I've continued to run into is that it's there's always pain. Yeah. I think if you polled a group of pastors, the majority of them would say that their transition out of ministry did not go well. Right. Whether intended to or whether it felt like it was really awful. So how do we actually do this in such a way that we can um, help the church do better? Because we do love the church and we want want the church to do well. But then how can we also be a place here? We're going to talk to people who've come out of ministry um, and and what is that what is that journey like? What's day one look like, and what is what does it look like uh, the first time? Like, did you go back to church? Did you go back to the same church? Did you go to another church? Did you stop going to church for a while? Did you stop going to church and never come back? What is it like to go back into uh, that that setting and you're not the one in charge anymore? But 
what we really do at Pastoral Transitions is we come alongside the church leadership. They bring us on and we help in that transition space to be able to help the person they're letting go uh, in the areas of career. And so we're looking at vocational discernment, like what are all of the assessments and LinkedIn and resumes and kind of just getting to know yourself and maybe understanding what went wrong. Uh, And then we're, we're looking at Things from a coaching perspective, um, do you need financial coaching? How much of a financial runway do you have? Do you need life and leadership um, coaching? And even pairing them with a pastor or a former pastor that will walk that that journey and say, in the middle of this process right now, where is God at for you? I mean, I think we need that. And then the last piece is counseling. And that's whether it's for you as an individual, um, for you as a couple, or for you as a family. And we needed all of that. We did. And I think if we're thinking back on our own transition, what we kind of had to do was triage all of that for ourselves. Like we knew that we needed therapy. Um, We knew that our kids were struggling. We knew that um, Matt needed help trying to figure out how to put a resume together because he hadn't had to do that in, you know, ever, ever. Yeah. And, you know, oh my gosh, like I have one set of, I mean, I've been a pastor, I've been to seminary, I've, you know, I have a degree in Christian things, but what am I going to do out in the real world? I don't know what my other skills are. Like, how do I even go about finding a job? Um, and so, you know, for our experience, we kind of had to, we had to put those pieces together for ourselves. And, you know, we've talked about our transition out of ministry. I think a, an interesting analogy is this idea of... A court of three strands. I don't know, is, I can't say it. I'm, I'm the it's pastor, not, yeah. the former pastor. I, <laughs> it's, I, not I easily, it's not easily broken. Right. But I think uh, if you're in vocational ministry, I think that there is a fourth strand that's inter, interwoven in with those three strands, and that's the ministry strand. And for our family, when that ministry strand was pulled up and out, it affected the other three strands and they kind of started to come unraveled as well. And I think, you know, something that's unique to pastors leaving ministry is that oftentimes it not only is it the loss of a job, which has financial impacts, but it also impacts the entire family, the kids. And, you know, in our experience, our kids went to school at the church. um, And so, that there was implications of that. There's community when you're a pastor and so much of your life is rolled into this one one place. When that's taken away, it really affects multiple parts of life. And it, it really felt like life was falling apart for us. It and it, it was. <laughs> yeah, it didn't just feel like it. It, it was. It, it felt was. like that for a reason. Yeah. So we... I just remember thinking to myself, like, okay, well, here's all of the different things that need to be canceled. I remember, you know, for a little bit, not sure, am I going to still have a job? Is it going to be a different position, but still a job? Um, And then, and when we figured out that I was not going to have a job, um, then it was, well, what does the restoration process look like? And what were the ups and downs of that whole piece? And really, we had a head start on the the pandemic that took the world over um we you know our process began and life began to unravel about six months before covid and then covid hit and the rest of the world kind of hunkered down um and for us there was almost a relief i think that like oh 
the rest of the world is slowing down and nobody's really working. And I was still looking for like, you know, just all of these applications and all these interviews and the horrible jobs. Do you remember? Like it was working. I, I do remember. Uh, it was yeah. awful. Like working elections. And I was doing this like Uber like job, but I was driving. I remember elderly folks to dialysis and homeless people to methadone clinics and more than once uh, my back seat was soiled and it just felt like this very apropos like metaphor for where life was at at that point yeah for sure and so trying to figure that out and then we had marriage issues there were things that we were we were falling apart and it was rough and and then individually we were and our kids are saying but I liked being a pastor's kid and all of those pieces together, it, it felt like a, so like for those, if, if you're listening right now in this moment, like I've been there. Um, and that, that part is hard and it, it, you're, you're having, I always thought it was like, is incredibly unfair for, for women to go through the process of birthing a child, which is work. It, right. I've heard it's a little bit of work. It is a little. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then after that, then you get rewarded with having to take care of the neediest thing on the planet, right? For the next, you know, chunk of your life. Um, but that, that process, I think, is, is just, you're wandering in the wilderness. It's very disorienting. And, uh, you know, you're wandering and your community also tends to change a lot. Um, your friends, the people that you think are your friends, the, the people, I know for Matt, one of the most difficult things was he had long-term relationships 20 year relationships with these people, um, who were not willing to engage with him. Um, it's, it was, it was just, it was a very hurtful time for just a myriad of reasons. It was, it was tough. We worked through those type of things. And really in, in the end, um, because Southern California is expensive and uh, we were still looking for work at the time, um, the pandemic basically opened a door for us and that's where we decided to make the move across country and uh, come here in the middle of horse country, bourbon country, and um, really set up a new and different kind of life. And a lot of that has has changed a lot. And and so I, th- I think a couple things uh, that that I've learned and thought through in this process, and, and something that we'll take into our conversations is really understanding the difference between identity, assignment, and calling. And um, this is. This has been so helpful for me, this idea of identity. Uh, and if you are in ministry, um, we talk about identity and how our identity is in Jesus. And it's, it's you know, I am the beloved. You look at some of Henry and stuff and um, just to know that you're the beloved child of God. But uh, even though I've preached on it, I've talked about it for years, it's a whole different experience when that piece um, of your life gets removed, this ministry piece. Because if you asked me five years ago, so tell me about yourself, I would say two things. Um, I would say, I'm a pastor, and um, and I'd, I'd say like I'm a family guy or something like that. But when I say I'm a pastor, I meant that that was my identity. And then the other the other two pieces, there's identity, assignment, and calling. My, my being a pastor was both identity and it was a calling. And I would say that really um, five years out that it was really an assignment um, and that God is calling me to really a ministry of reconciliation and um, that, you know, my assignment today is how we make money to kind of keep life going, right? But you saw that from the perspective of a wife and watching me unravel all by myself. I don't think you were aware 
of how much your job as a pastor was your identity that it had sort of taken over this other part where it wasn't supposed to fill that. Um, and so when that was removed, you kind of were in a, in a crisis of like, well, if I don't have this, then who am I? Like, what am I doing? What am I good at? Like it, it not only impacted the practicalities of life, like what am I going to do for a job? But there were serious emotional, psychological, spiritual implications that you had to start wrestling through that really came to the surface when what you thought was your identity was removed. Going through that experience, you know, I, there was never once like immediately in all of that where I thought, well, God's going to redeem this and use this so that I can help bless other people. Like that was the furthest thing from my mind. And it still shocks me a little bit that I'm doing what I'm doing with all of this. But there's somebody who came up to me in, in, the, in this process and um, told me this story and the story is stuck with me. But the story goes that there's a man stuck in a dark, deep hole and he's yelling and screaming for help. And meanwhile, there's people walking by that dark, deep hole. They hear the man yelling and screaming for help. Uh, they don't know what to do, so they just keep on walking. Well, one day, there's a guy that comes by walking down the road, and here's the man who's stuck in the dark, deep hole yelling and screaming for help, and he does the unthinkable. He jumps into the hole with the man. And the guy who's stuck in the hole who was screaming said, what did you do that for? Now we're both stuck down here. And the guy that jumped into the hole said, I've been in this hole before and I know how to get out. And that was such a, like, that moment was like, oh, you know, the sky's open. I said, this is, this is, this is why I'm here. I'm, I'm supposed to do something with this. And that, what? Well, I was just going to say, I think another story that's worth telling that has stood out is, you know, one of the things is, it, of course, it impacted you and I, it impacted our family, but transition also impacts the church community, right? It impacts. Totally. So, I think it's worth telling the story of the man who came up to you. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the pieces of us, um, you know, in our process of, of restoration was that the elder board asked us to be a part and continue to go to the church. Um, and initially, how are you feeling about that? Like there was no place that you wanted to be less. Yes. I, I was not a fan of that stipulation. Yes. And so, uh, and, and same here, I was ready to take the, the first plane to Lexington, Kentucky, quite honestly. Um, but I, I remember, um, you know, when we went the first time and we didn't go, you know, the very next Sunday, um, it took us, it took us a good six or eight weeks. Um, but we met some of our friends, the ones that we still had, and they met us in the parking lot and formed a Roman phalanx around us and kind of ushered us in. And we got in there a couple minutes late and we would leave a couple minutes early. Um, I also... Are you, are you telling the story that I think you're telling yeah. about the man that came up to you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm okay. trying to get there, but... Got it. Got it. I just like to you know set it up and take way too long to get there. I huh? understand. I just want to make sure. Yeah. About two months into that process, um, after uh, service one day, the guy, a guy comes up to me and says, Pastor, I don't know what you did. But I'm sure as hell glad that the elder board doesn't know all the things that I've done because they would have kicked me out a long time ago. And I remember thinking, wow, there's a lot. That is such a loaded statement, right? right? And I'm thinking like the, the church is watching and how we treat one another in these times of transition, it matters. And, and how we treat each other or our leaders when there's been a failure or, you know, something, how, how is 
the brokenness of our leaders handled speaks volumes to the people in the church of how transparent they can be with their own brokenness. Yeah. And I, I'll say that like it, it either sends us into performance where we have to be really good and that sin management is under high control. Like everybody kind of up the levers and I'm going to make sure that I am going to be really good from here on out. So that's performance or we go into protection and we go into hiding. And either that means that this place doesn't feel safe for me and I don't want to be found out um, or um, we're just going to go underground with our sin because I've seen what happens when you mess up. And if that could happen to a pastor, then that could certainly happen to me. There's so many parties that are impacted, right? And it, it hurts from the, the pastoral staff, those who are remaining. And oftentimes that culture that is there, like, hey, we have a very open culture and we're transparent. We love everybody. And open door policy. You can always come in and tell us. But we've also seen in some churches that um, that that culture changes almost immediately when it comes to what happens on the back end. Um, all of a sudden, openness is not out there so much, and you don't feel as safe. But there's a lot of parties that get hurt in the process. And so uh, we have compassion for all of them, for the sure. remaining staff, for the leadership, for the elder board, for the board of directors, um, and for the people who are coming out. And I would also say, look, for the spouse, it's not an easy process and and was there something like even just significant for you um coming out i remember even just us walking into church um one day and all of these people are surrounding me right and i don't i don't know if this was just particular and specific to our situation and Mm -hmm. the dynamics that existed in our own church maybe if there's pastors wives listening to this i don't know if you relate to this but i realized just that at least in the context of ministry, like Matt was the sun and everyone was very, the sun is in like the bright shining ball in the sky, like lots revolved around him. He was loved and adored by many and certainly his transition out of ministry did impact the church and many people in a significant way. But I, I had just had the sense of like as his wife that I was, my role in that context was the moon, like my job was to reflect sort of the glory of, of who he was. And the sound, like, I don't mean this to sound patronizing. Yeah. Patron. I don't really don't Demeaning. mean it. Demeaning. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't mean feel it, it by the way. I really don't mean it in that way at all. But, um, you know, there was a lot of attention and care put on and focus on Matt because he was, you know, he was the upfront person. He knew a lot, you know, but I did feel that there was a sense that, myself, our family, and how all this affected us was very much in the background um, of the process. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. So like and a, maybe a lack of awareness of how much, even though I wasn't the one that worked at the church and, you know, my kids weren't on staff, like there were some pretty serious implications for us as well and when it came to our community. And so, yeah, it was kind of a, a lonely, a lonely season. Yep. I think that was, there's a lot to that. What we want to do here with the podcast is, you know, if, if this podcast is called Life After Ministry, one of the questions that we want to ask... Kind of begs the question. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there life after ministry? And I, the, the reason it hits me so much is there's so much that changes after ministry, right? Like if you put a blank line in front of after ministry, like is there... 
a healthy marriage after ministry? Is there work? Is there job fulfillment after ministry? Uh, is there worship like after? There's all of these different pieces, but all of that kind of falls under this category of life, and this is what life looks like. And um, I think we're here to say that you know, we're we're still here. We're still married for twenty something years, um, but there is life after ministry. And I think the other question is, is there ministry after ministry? Like if you're not in vocational ministry anymore, yeah. how do you work out your faith and your life and, and be a believer in the world? Is there is there opportunity for ministry after ministry? Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think that that question will be answered as we're having conversations with folks um, along those ways. But yeah, not only is there ministry after ministry, but is this life after ministry, is it any good? Right. And we're not here to tell you as the poster children that we've made it and it's great and we're making lots of money and doing lots of ministry and our kids are perfectly healthy and everything's great. Um, but we're, we're, it's hard, right? It's hard, but I'd say it's good. Yes. It's good. Um, so we hope that that's encouraging for you um, wherever you're at. And so uh, as we close out um, this first episode, we want to invite you to come back. Uh, what we find is that there are, whether you have gone through a ministry, whether you may go through a transition in ministry uh, upcoming, or you might know somebody. I find that there's lots of people who they've, they've heard a story of some kind um, that, that we would be a place to be able to say, hey, I, I know of this group, Pastoral Transitions, and uh, that you'd be able to share uh, the, the redemptive, restorative work that we're trying to do. Um, if you've gone through something like this and you have a story that you want to share, uh, and you can even do it anonymously, um, that we would love to be able to hear your story and talk with you, um, but that you would get the word out because there really is nothing like this. Um, I'd say that the ministry that we have going today with Pastoral Transitions is the triage that we went through ourselves. Yes, and I think the lifeblood for Matt in that first season was being able to connect with other people mm -hmm. who were coming, who had already come out of ministry and they were doing okay. And I think they were able to hold hope for him in a season where some things just felt hopeless and to be able to encourage him along the way. And I think that's our heart for this through conversations, uh, through our own experience and also hearing the experience of others who are either coming out of ministry and or organizations that have done it well mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, the work of pastoral transitions itself to be able to change the way pastoral transitions happen in our in our culture here yeah so we want to invite you um, to follow along uh, we have all kinds of articles you can go to our website at pastoraltransitions.com uh, you can find this podcast at lifeafterministrypodcast.com or anywhere that you stream podcasts and it feels like a very commercially thing to say yes. like that but Really, if you can, if you listen to podcasts somewhere, you're going to be able to hear this. So that's a true statement. Um, but get the word out and uh, help us to do something in the church. We're not going to solve all the problems with the bride of Christ um, by any stretch, but we want to. We feel like God has given us this one slice, um, and we want to be able to do that faithfully and to do that well. So, Marilee, it's good to do this with you. Thanks for being yes, here. This is and fun. It is fun, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for being here and uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll hit you on the next episode. See you on the flippity flop. There you go. Oh, that was super cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.